0: Hello and welcome to Getting It,
1: the conversation where we try to understand life just that little bit more. My name's Dan and my name is Saban. We're both medical students based in London and in this episode we welcome back Thomas to Getting It. We talk about the birth and rise of Nazi Germany, the factors that led to their ascension to power and the actions that steered towards World War II. Hello Saban. Hello Dan.
0: How are you doing today?
1: I'm all right, how are you?
0: Yeah, I'm not too bad things. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm here with Thomas at the moment. So uh, we've brought him back. We've invited him again for uh, the third round of history discussion, or essentially a history lecture with Thomas. Um, so, yeah, welcome back, Thomas. Oh, thank you. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing fine. Thank you for asking. Um, okay, so from where we left off last time, we yes. finished World War One. We looked at Europe just after World War I and a few of the rearrangements that went on but today we're going to be moving on, looking a bit ahead towards, uh, starting to think towards World War II, is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah. we we try to okay. uh, get there eventually with uh, Nazi Germany.
0: Okay, so today we'll be talking about Nazi Germany. So uh, I guess the first thing we'd need to know is basically, when did the Nazi party in Germany start to rise? When did it come about and, and what was the Nazi party?
2: All right. So um, I like to describe this at first, everybody has got this conception of of the Nazis being uh, the devil, the devil's people, you know, the the epitome of evil in history, like Hitler sitting the right side to to Satan, you know, in in hell. I don't know if you've seen the the Family Guy episodes where that happened or something like that. It is is, uh, the preconception, especially after the media and everything else. Uh, But like every political party, they didn't start off as this kind of like evil empire, you know, and, and trying to take over the world as, as there is in, in these, all these uh, new superhero movies, you know, and stuff like that. So um, essentially, everything started with democracy. We are in Germany in the early 1920s. People just got the idea of of democracy. Uh, It was imposed basically on on Germany uh, because the the, the emperor at the time, uh, Wilhelm, uh, he decided to, well, he was forced more out of the country and the Germans decided to form parties Mm -hmm. as we have in in every other country now in the Western world most of the time. And uh, the Nazi party themselves, they were a creation of that time. They wanted to represent the people. They wanted to represent the people of Germany, especially. And if you look at the name, the actual name of the Nazis, were the Na- National Socialist Party of the uh, German Labour Force. A rough translation, I think it is uh, is not quite accurate, but is the rough translation of the party name. So they were they were focused especially on Germans. They wanted to be. Uh, something, as I would like to call it in nowadays media, it would be something like Germany first. Mm. And uh, to be honest, they were very, very unsuccessful for a very long time. So they had... Because it was an early time after the war, it was quite a, like nobody knew what was going on. You know, there was not much order because uh, it was like, you know, the, the emperor is gone. We need to restructure the policies. And it ended up being this this um, so-called Weimarer Republik, which is the Republic of Germany at the time. It was quite unstable, unstable, because, first of all, you lost the war, you need to have the payments done to the victorious countries, and so on and so forth. But we talk about this plenty beforehand. Mm. So it was quite unstable at the time. And and they tried to gather um, Adolf Hitler first. He tried to gather. uh, He was the party leader from uh, pretty much the beginnings, uh, the early 20s, up until, well, the very end, uh, until, well, he had to... Give up his power to somebody else, but uh, we might come to that as well. So the political structures at the time is quite unstable, and up until the late twenties, they were not very popular. They they barely get uh, two three percent in in the voting system, you know, in Germany, and and this stayed for a very long time, and especially because they were quite uh, they were quite troublesome. Uh, together with the Communist Party in Germany, uh they tried to have uprisings, um, every now and then to take power, uh as you do in quite unstable countries. And they tried and for a very long time uh, and they failed many times. Uh, for example, 1923 I think it was the first time that, that Hitler was uh aware of like, oh, we, we can like he he got about like 10% in, in one of the elections and then he thought like, yes, this is the moment for us. We we can seize power and, and make Germany great again. But uh, it came a bit differently. So Hitler himself was arrested. um, He was uh, prosecuted and and eventually had to go for five years to prison. Well, he didn't end up uh, staying that long. But this was the original story. Uh, The Nazi party uh, was uh, after that was completely, well, deleted from the landscape mm-hmm. nobody it was it was basically forbidden to practice anything so that was in the um, mid-1920s mid-1920s
0: yeah and if you don't mind i'll, I'll quickly interrupt you with the question so mm-hmm. at that point were the Nazis? Um, i imagine they were nowhere near as as extreme as they were perceived and as they were much later on at that time were they seen
2: as a, as a very extremist party or were they seen as more moderate in the early 20s they were seen as quite extreme you had the moderate parties uh, the social union uh, and the Christ Democrats uh, they were they were seen as moderate forces they were on the far right as, as you would perceive them nowadays as well. Uh, there was no difference in the 1920s so, so people weren't like yes we all go in for that and they were not very successful as well like they I didn't think they, they made the parliament in the in the whole of the 1920s basically so
0: yeah no. And at the time, in the 1920s in Germany, who what was the structure of
2: the government? So who was in charge at that time? uh so uh, there were basically most of the time coalitions uh, either the the mid left or mid right uh, parties that, that that led the the, the forces and uh, there was a strict rule of of uh, kind of destabilizing forces were automatically forbidden uh, as as for example the nazi party was or the communist party at the time uh, so they tried to stabilize the republic uh, of germany which was very young it's the youngest uh, well just created after the first world war so they had a lot of troubles. And, and uh, well, the Nazi party at the start was one of the minor ones as well.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And then you said that there were um, uprisings even early on in the Nazi party's uh, history and that caused Hitler to go to jail at that time. So by that point, I imagine he was very well-known already.
2: <laughs> I mean, uh, well-known is, is all relative. Like he gained popularity later on. He was he's more seen like, oh yeah, something happened, you know, but like, it wasn't never really threatening to the Republic, you know. It was more like well, this is the things that happen because, uh, uh, you know, somebody protests and then and, and, and just get out of hands. But, but I don't, it's difficult to say how popular he was or how famous he was at the time. So certainly known if, if you read the media at the time, I don't think the, the, the majority of the public was aware of him.
0: Okay. And so if, if you imagine at that time in the post-World War One landscape, um, in the United Kingdom, in France, in the US, you don't think that the Nazi Party was particularly on their radar at that point?
2: No, I wouldn't say not in the early 20s. Uh, I, th- I think it, it, they, people, especially after the First World, were more concerned about, well, how's it going in our country? You know, like we're all suffering after, after this grand, uh, what was it called the Great War, before the Second World War. Uh, and and everyone was concerned more about internal issues than, than foreign affairs. Yep. OK, that makes
0: sense. So then if we continue on, to the, on the timeline, we go into the later 20s,
2: Yeah, what happened then? So first of all, like Hitler was in prison. And uh, this is usually a time where you've got time to reflect mm. on your own wrong, wrongdoings, on what you could do better. And Hitler was no different than anybody else. And uh, basically, essentially, what he, he's done during his time in prison was writing his, his memoirs, which is uh, Mein Kampf. Uh, which translated roughly to My Fight. And it was semi-autobiographical and semi-political uh, statement uh, at the time with two major things that, that really reflect the party's ideology at the time, uh, which was firstly uh, being anti-Semitic. This was one of the main goals, especially later known, I think, uh, mm. as the mm. Second World War and everything uh, going on there. And the second one that that is sometimes, often forgotten, is uh, the establishment of uh, Eastern territories. Uh, And this is called Erweiterung der Lebensräume im Osten, if you like to call it in German. It was the concept of establishing like an Eastern colony for Germans. And uh, if you know a bit of geography, the only thing east of Germany, well, is either Poland or Russia at the time. And and, uh, so in his idea of the world, he wanted to take something east of Germany to put this for the Germans to live there. Uh, So establish a German colony and and uh, by what means uh, possible it wasn't I don't think it was stated there uh, but to be honest I haven't read it uh, in in the entirety I only read a few lines out of it in the history class but uh, so it wasn't established like how he wanted to do that it was one of the ideas how he wanted to do the party's progression you know in the so, future so the the book mind camp I
0: imagine is really important in terms of understanding better Hitler's ideology especially early on um, in his political career and then um I can imagine that, that those were sort of the foundations of his actions later on, because Lebensraum is, was a was a philosophy that he used later on, wasn't it? And then also obviously anti-Semitism was something that stayed in the Nazi
2: party until the very end. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is uh, anti-Semitism at the time in the early 1920s. It was not something uniquely to uh, to be like associated with Nazi parties. There were other uh, parties as well in, in Germany and people at the time that... That uh, were openly or, or less openly uh, anti-Semitic at the time, um, so it was it was more of a common phenomenon as, as we would uh, see it nowadays with being like, oh, I, I, I'm not racist, but I'm not like I don't like foreigners. You know, mm-hmm. it was uh, the same kind of kind of mindset at the time as well. And could you just
0: clarify for me exactly what is meant by anti-Semitism?
2: Uh, so it's basically uh, everything, uh, well, against. Everybody who's Jewish. So one of these political statements at the time was to uh, basically uh, take the the statehood of, or oh, oh, sorry, the the, uh, the national uh, the nationality of every Jew in Germany to be expelled, uh, basically from Germany. So, so this was one of his his uh, party's um, ideologies at the time and uh, his political statements.
0: And so, just to finally clarify, so along with the um, anti semitist agenda, that was like. That existed throughout the whole book. He was also saying that the German people needed more space in the east, and I can imagine that that mentality um, also came from the the after World War One the agreements that ended up with Germany losing a lot of territory. I can imagine that the the, the outcomes of World War One must have fueled Hitler's actions and thought. Is that right?
2: Uh, yes. I, I mean, everybody in the world, especially in Europe, was not un, unaffected by the First World War, and I think Hitler himself was was also. Uh, very very much aware and and also I think it influenced him a lot like how Germany was uh, treated during that time and, and he wanted he also had stated his, his revenge thinking of 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 how unfair everything was. Yeah. Uh, I mean somebody might say is a sore loser, but like it is as as it is if you like to compare it.
0: Oh uh, I've got one more question before we continue. Yeah. Sorry for the, the flurry. Please. But um I'm also curious at that point did Hitler see any countries as potential allies at that time? Did he want to work with other countries as well in his uh, political agenda? Or was it more because you said it was the Nazi party was about Germany first. So it makes me curious, you know, did they, did he want to seek any allies or was it all or just about looking int- internally?
2: Um, the, the the thing as, as Nazis themselves, they're, they're national socialists. So I... I imagine that that his uh, foreign affairs and, and his belief in foreign affairs was fairly limited. He wanted to restructure Germany first and was thinking entirely about Germany. Mm-hmm. And I think that his later strategical allies were, were a product of, of, of well, it, it just was convenient at the time. you know. Uh, so, so I don't think he, he had a lot of thoughts in that. But then again, I did not read the entirety of, of my camp uh, myself, so I'm not uh, quite aware what was happening there. Okay, so
0: um, so we've got to the point where um, Hitler now leaves prison. He doesn't stay for the full term, does he?
2: No, he doesn't. Um, so he just he gets released several months after, but he did not serve his full prison sentence. So what happened after is, is that the, the Nazi Party again tried to um, win the general elections, uh, as you do in in a democracy, and again it was quite crushing. In 1928, they didn't get the results they wanted, but then. This miraculous thing, at least for the Nazi party happened, it was it was the, the financial crisis, uh, as you have uh, starting in, in the US and then sweeping all around the world. And uh, this uh, left Germany, uh, well, it was a very hard blow to Germany, uh, because of a lot of things. So firstly, we've got like the reparations that you need to pay after the First World War. So they still were forced to pay whilst having uh, a mega inflation as you would only see nowadays in in some African countries, for example. Uh, So you you would reach uh, amounts of 4 billion uh, marks at that time to to buy bread, for example. Mm. Uh, So it was uh, nothing compared to to the stability and integrity that it is seen today in Germany. And, And it left a lot of people jobless and they were simply unhappy with the situation uh, they they survived the war everything was not so good and then there was a swift like uh, uprising like uh, going up economically and now it, everything plummets again and this was uh just very frustrating for a lot of people in Germany. and i think the one of the biggest achievements of the nazi party was to capitalize on that you know so, um, but how did they do that? So, first of all, uh, they did realise that being totally anti-Semitic in the uh, propaganda was not very helpful to establish uh, themselves in the masters of people. You know, they they wanted to be seen as as somebody you can vote for rather than being like, oh, I voted for them again. Like, I can't tell anybody. They, they wanted to, to make people being... Proud of, of what they mm-hmm. voted for, so they they uh, they adjusted their agenda, or at least the public agenda, to to uh, whatever was more uh, popular of the the voters. And and you can argue that they were one of the first populist com- uh, populist parties in, in Europe.
0: So it's like sort of playing the democracy game and seeking more
2: votes by playing more to the people, making people more comfortable. Precisely, precisely. So you would see things that you would see nowadays in populist uh, parties as well. I don't at this point. I don't want to. Draw comparisons between nowadays politics and 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 what was happening in the 1920s and 30s in Germany, uh, but but there are similarities in the sense that you can. See, for example, uh, they, they, the political agenda was vastly different depending on the people uh, they targeted. So uh, they might be saying one thing to, let's say, the the laborers' union, and they would say another thing to the uh, well, the, the 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 ones who owned the most and the, like the CEOs at that time, and 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 everybody who was uh, who had uh, capital to 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 actually like gain. I don't know. Uh, could it be like financial gain from that or? Uh, gain just simply votes. And, and it was a uh, tailor made for, for every single population group, or subgroup. And uh, even in, in, in areas where you would think it is impossible to gain votes for them. Uh, they also did, for example, like uh, very Christian traditional families, like they were also animated to vote for them uh, in a way, and and uh, they were incredibly popular. And, and and could it be because of of, of uh, uh, their populist agenda? Maybe, but also uh, it was it was a, a round of things as I said. So you had this, this being unhappy with the general situation. Uh, everybody was uh, without a job pretty much, and and uh, they promised the things that the traditional parties that they couldn't, well couldn't promise because it was. Virtually impossible. Uh, So they were seen as a new hope for Germany, uh, Mm -hmm. because there were most people, uh, the non-voters especially, were unhappy with the situation, and 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 the Nazis at the time were a promising political party. And and I understand that during times of disaster, people
0: often look to extremes and they become more popular options. Was it just the Nazi party that rose more to prominence at that time or were there any sort of competitors or um, any other groups who rose
2: to prominence as well? So at the time uh, I think Think it was it was only the Nazi Party that that gained as much momentum as as uh, well compared to anybody else. So uh, I, I think like by the 1930s, early 1930s, and eventually 1933, where they actually gained power, uh, they they go to about 35, 40 percent of the votes, which is quite impressive mm. in in a multi-party system as you had in in Germany and you still have. So, uh, they were vastly popular and, and, uh, 1933 is also the time where Hitler got, uh, uh Reichskanzler, which is, uh, which is the prime minister of Germany. Um, and, uh, the only force leaving, uh, well left to, to be taken was, was the president of, of Germany, mm-hmm. uh, which was the old and, 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 uh, very experienced, um, von Hindenburg. Ah. Uh, and I think he, uh, the most association with Hindenburg is, is the, the Zeppelin, yes, the, yes. the, the one that, that crashed terribly in, yeah. in, in the States. But he was also president of, of Germany at the time, but uh, he died eventually. And, and uh, after that, Hitler um, established a union, as, as we like to call it, the Führer, where he was the president and the prime minister at the same time.
0: And if you don't mind me deviating again very slightly, I think it would be good to understand just quickly a clarification on the German political structure with the difference between the president, the chancellor, and as you just said, the Fuhrer, mm. the, the meaning of the, the different positions at the time that existed and why Hitler was, so he became chancellor before becoming president, is that right? Yeah, that's right. And the different, just quickly, the difference between each
2: role? Uh, so, uh, well, it depends on the audience, of course, but the president at the time was was the head of the nation, but it was mo- mostly a uh, representative role, you know, something like the queen. Uh, it was more like, well, <sighs> technically he was also like the leader of the army and, and, and everything else, but... In essence, it was more of being the head of state, representing the country and shaking everybody's hands if they come around, mm. uh, pretty much. Uh, whereas the prime minister had the political power. He was elected, uh, he was chosen by the party and then he was making most of the decisions that, that uh, uh, people, well, prime ministers nowadays do as well. And
0: had anyone ever before
2: been both president and chancellor at the same time? Um, well, not in Germany because because before mm-hmm. that you had uh, the king or mm-hmm. the emperor at the time, and he was technically both as okay. well. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, anyway,
0: that's the end of the deviation. So um, we're now at 1933. Yep. So the Nazi Party rose risen quite prominently after the the economic crash in 1920 in 1929, and so Nazis got into power in 1933. Yep. Um, and what transpired immediately after that was that well taken. Did they make many changes from the start, or was it a slow change?
2: Uh, I mean, uh, the changes were were how would I say that? Uh, they were they were visible uh, to the. Uh, they were very successful as well because uh, the the people were actually quite content with the things they've done. Uh, so they tried to reverse. So they started reversing all the things that were stated in the treaties before. Uh, The treaties of Versailles at the time were very unpopular with the population. They were seen as, as, uh, well, a humiliation, as I said before, of uh, Germany as a nation. And they were seen as like superimposed on them and and, and something uh, to be taken not very lightly. And and he tried, uh, so step by step, he tried to uh, disassemble this treaty. It was not unnoticed by other countries, but it was more like, there was this idea after the First World War, it was such a terrible experience and, and a lot of politicians were fighting in these uh, trenches themselves and, and uh, all were aware of, of the tragedy and misery that that came with it. Uh, so at this time, uh, we reached the stage nowadays even more so. Uh, we reached uh, they reached a stage where they didn't want a fight. They didn't want to cause a fight like war. Before, in politics, was seen as like an extension of foreign policies, you know, of uh, an extension of, of of politics basically. But people after the First World War were quite reluctant to start a fight. So Hitler just doing whatever he wanted, uh, where like uh, most people were uh, concerned, uh, most uh, foreign ministers at the time were more concerned rather than anything. And they said like, oh, we do not approve of that. But uh, nothing happened after that, not like an invasion of all the allied forces into Germany once once Hitler started doing things, because they were afraid of, of another war. I can imagine at that time. Um, so he, he had already started putting some
0: of his ideas into action, but wasn't doing it to the extent where um, other countries needed to intervene because, as you say, that people were reluctant to engage in conflict at that time, especially, I imagine, after World War One. So in the third, how long did it take? Oh, I remember the Olympic Games... Was that was that a landmark event or was that...
2: Uh, yes, as well. Um, do, do you have any other questions before because you were like leading up to something? Um,
0: no, I was just wondering if there was any sort of... Um, before, between 1933 and 1936, if there was anything in particular that he implemented which sort of suggested that um, more extremist policies were going to be implemented or
2: sort of gave a, a window into the future? Or was it all very gradual? Uh, it was... I mean, there were things that he gradually just said, like, "Oh, we we stop doing that simply because, like, well, we just don't want to." For example, with his anti semitist rhetoric, was that was that
0: strong? Was that, or did he kind of because you said that in order to gain votes, he sort of toned that down quite a lot. Yeah. Once he got into power, did that start to resurface immediately? Or was um, it slow? This
2: was more of a slow process. So, like, you would have uh, things happening and. In a rather slower setting, but then there was like uh, th- there's a particular event uh, which called which is called uh, Reichskristallnacht uh, in 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 the propaganda, uh, and this was the event where everything just started like they unleashed the whole full force of anti-Semitism. But before that, it was more subtle. Mm. Uh, it was more of like yeah, we, we disadvantage you, but we're not like trying to actively like mm. mm-hmm, prosecute you in any way, shape, or form. That uh, you mentioned the Olympic events was mainly to show the world that Germany can again, you know, uh, because losing the First World War uh, was was uh, particularly humiliating, as I said, and and the Olympic events for Hitler, uh, he wanted to show the world that, that what the Germans are capable of, you know, and uh, I think nobody at that time anticipated that he's. Uh, uh, trying to do something uh, more than than just being uh, well uh, as he was but it was more to show the world like yeah we are back you know mm-hmm. back in the game uh, after suffering this uh, economic crisis after first world war and then the financial crisis the world's crisis basically uh, but he wanted to show yes we can do this again we are back
0: okay that makes sense so that was in, in 1936 and there was a success wasn't it
2: it was quite successful, like uh, you would, um, so Hitler, Hitler was, uh, he was not a trained politician, but he was, I, it is difficult to say who, who established it at the time, but but Hitler definitely had a kind of a vision of how Germany should be seen. And he always, uh, this is the first time that you could actually see his, his lift uh, artistry uh, in the sense that uh, that he wanted to show like the Germans are the Aryans the, the best mm. kind of uh, genetic suitable race uh, in, on the planet and then he tried to do this in massive monuments uh, in Germany to, to show the people
0: and um, at this time Germany was a democracy at that point he w- he wasn't seen as a dictator yet was he? because um, of, uh, when would the re-election process have
2: begun? so the, the after 1933 there were no Real votes after that. So Hitler just decided himself after Hindenburg died that he just combined uh, both the president and prime minister. And after the time, there was no voting system anymore. So technically, it was uh, Germany stopped being a democracy.
0: Was that essentially in effect immediately? Did people realize that, or um, did that only become apparent? As like I don't know, as time passed, as it got to 1936, 1937, did people know straight away? Oh, he's taken up both roles. He's he's going to stay as leader now for a
2: long time. I mean, uh, you have this perspective from now nowadays. Be like, oh yeah, we've got this democracy. We lived through this democracy, and this is the only thing we remember. But to bear in mind, most people at the time were were well, most the majority of their lives is spent in in well. They had a king before, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and Hitler himself, They for most people, I think it was just a continuation of, of what was before rather than being like, oh, he, he trying to do something to be a dictator, but nobody was... I think nobody's an understatement, but, but people were not as aware as it would be. It would seem a lot stranger nowadays than it was back in the days.
0: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So then we go after 1936 and... So there was no process of re-election, he was staying in power. When did things start to take a, a turn and sort of start pointing towards war? Because was there an arms race? Was there any indication? When did, for example, the forecast, we were talking about the radar earlier of the other leaders, when do you think the other leaders started to seriously
2: anticipate the potential for serious conflict? I mean, this is difficult to say. I think it depends on the leader's threshold of of like, oh, something's going on. Uh, and I think everybody had a different threshold. But there were certain events that, that uh, definitely pointed in the direction. Uh, so we've got the, the first minor events, as you would like to call it, is uh, so basically Germany was not allowed to have more than 100,000. Uh, men, I think, in the army. Uh, and Hitler swiftly just said, well, no to that, and, and started building an army that was far greater than that. He retook, for example, the, the Rhineland, uh, the Saarland as well, the, the, basically the bordering area to France, uh, and uh, which was a demilitarised zone at the time. And, and well, he just established uh, uh, well, uh, uh, everything back to normal, basically. And what year was that? I'm not quite aware of the timeline, but it was it was soon after being reelected, being elected to be the the, the prime minister.
0: Okay, so was, so from early on in his in his leadership, he was already implementing um, things like taking reclaiming small amounts of land and breaking rules on the growth of the military. So I imagine that people, all, all the other leaders at that time, knew that he wasn't like. You know, um, I mean, it wasn't behaving well,
2: he wasn't behaving well, but but uh, at this some these first steps were just like, yeah, I'm just reversing the contract that we had, you know, like, it was just written the contract uh, before. We can't do this, we can't do that. But he, he, one of his policies, and it was very popular, was reversing these Versailles treaties. And these were just part of them. So uh, just to come back later, like the, the first signs of an active military expansion were uh, trying to claim that the, the, in German it's called Sudetenland, uh, which was part of, of Germany for a very long time and is nowadays part of, of the Czech Republic or, or Czechia. And uh, they tried to establish that was in early 1938. Uh, and they claimed it simply to be like, okay, well, this is most people speak German. there, we just mm-hmm. take it to because, well, it's just fair thing to do. And so,
0: I mean, that was um, one of the key catalysts to the actual development of the Second World War, right? I mean, what I also want to know is, at the, so we're saying that it was on the other leaders' radar, other countries knew that the Nazis were sort of behaving badly, but was, the, was it the plan all along from Hitler and the Nazi Party to engage in war at some point? Did, do you think he, from the start, wanted to start a war? Or do you think, I mean, because you, you say he you know, he wanted more, from, from Mein Kampf, from the time he wrote that, mm. He wanted more land, and he did. He he had anti Semitist Is that the right way of saying it? Yeah, anti um ideology. He wanted to 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 rid of the 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 Jew the Jewish people in Germany. But yeah, did did that mean war to him? Do you think from the start, or did he want to evade war?
2: I think uh, he in his idea it is difficult to say again, but in his idea, the German people were fierce and stronger than everybody else in the world. It might be quite self-centered in a way because he considered himself German as well, uh, which he wasn't, but uh, uh, but in a sense, he was thinking of, of Aryans being being far superior. And uh, if you see the investment into the military, it was not sustainable for a very long time. You can't expend the military indefinitely without hoping to, to start a war. And... If you look closely, I, I think you would have noticed that eventually he will take up a country or another, you know, nobody knew at the time who who was who he wanted to target. But, well, uh, it was like a more slow expansion, starting with a part of, of the Czech Republic, then uh, taking bits of, of, well, taking the entirety of Austria at the time in 1938 as well, in, in, in March, and... Uh, well they were all German speaking so nobody was like oh what is he doing and in Austria at the time they, uh, they saw themselves more part of Germany than, than uh, being Austria as a sovereign state because uh, they were associated with them for, for centuries and it wasn't a big uh, kind of leap to assume to, to, to be part of Germany as well so nobody really bat an eye at the time
0: And how strong was Germany at that time because this whole time Germany is rising, isn't it, in terms of its power and its and its voice in the global stage again. So throughout the 1930s, how strong did
2: Germany become? I mean, they were rising, they were on the rise. The question is, were they stronger before the First World War or before the Second? And I think, arguably, uh, they were more prepared for war before the Second World War uh, than before the first one. Uh, uh, with all the tactics and, and everything else, that they were uh, very highly trained as well. Uh, so, yeah, they were military-wise. Yes, they were. They were quite strong and, and on the rise in the 1930s. And and uh, everybody knew it wouldn't be an easy fight if they started something now.
0: Okay. And, and how about in terms of internal affairs in Germany? Um, were the people satisfied with Hitler's leadership in the Nazi Party? Would was, was the life of the average German person improved in the in 1930s?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you, you have very controversial stories of 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 saying that, that everybody had got a job and, and was basically true. And compared to the early the late 1920s and early 1930s, I think in the, the mid- mid-30s and, and and later on they, they had a the, a lot better time than than before. So, yeah, yeah, his, his uh, internal affairs were uh, good, in a sense, but then again, you can argue, if there was another party, would have they would they do the same things? I don't know. It's difficult to say. Okay,
0: yeah, that makes sense. So, we go to 1938, Germany takes Sudetenland from the okay. Czech Republic, or at the time, what was it at the time? Uh, I believe it was Czechoslovakia. Okay, so it takes Sudetenland from Czechoslovakia, and... um then uh, in nineteen thirty-eight March
2: takes Austria, and mm-hmm. but but Austria welcomes it, right? So yeah, it's it, I mean, this is a very controversial topic in in Austrian history, and and it depends on on who you're asking. Uh, the elderly will be talking differently than than the younger generation. In Austria, for a very long time, I think uh, they served this as. as it was basically a myth that Austria was like the first kind of victim of, of Nazi Germany. Uh, and it was a very popularized in the f- uh, late f- 40s and 50s uh, that that uh, to the world that incredibly successful of convincing everybody that, that everything good is Austrian, everything is bad is, is German. Uh, you've got these stories with, with Beethoven that, that they, they said, oh, he's, he was a great Austrian, but in fact, he was born in Germany. And then you've got the, the, the convincing fact that, that Hitler was German, which well he was more mostly active in Germany, but but he was born in in Austria, and, and the same thing happened after the Second World War. Being like uh, we, we were the victims, you know, and and we had nothing to do with that. But if you look at uh, look at the statistics, there were a lot of um, Austri- Austrian Austrians in the uh, higher up in in the, the the Nazi Party, and and they were uh, quite uh, quite prolific in, in what what they were doing. So, uh, plus, there was no military opposition. So the tanks just just marched, well, just drove through the streets and people were just cheering. You can see them uh, on the streets. And, of course, it... uh, in a sense, uh, the the, uh, the Austria at the time was not a Nazi country. There were like a Christian... It was a dictatorship as well, but, but the Nazi party was forbidden uh, since the early 30s as well. So so uh, they had whatsoever no connection to it. But once they came in, they were like, okay, Austria is a country cannot defend against Germany. It is simply too small, even though you've got a lot of mountains and you can have like some kind of uh, guerrilla tactics. Uh, but... Uh, in a sense, no, not really. And uh, very quite interesting in that sense was every kind of military operation Germany had uh, a code name. And uh, in uh, for Austria, it was code name Otto. And Otto was the last uh, son of the Emperor uh, of of Austria-Hungary at the time. Uh, He was exiled in in, um, Switzerland, but uh, there was some correspondence uh, with the Austrian Republic to be like, just get me in charge. I'll be King or Emperor at the time, uh, Otto himself, and, and we will fight this off. And uh, Otto himself was everything that Hitler thought was wrong with Austria-Hungary. He was uh, very Catholic. He was a supporter of multinationalism within Austria. He liked the idea of of multiple cultures being in a country. Uh, And he was uh, seen as a tradition uh, and, uh, well, monarchy. And and he was totally against that. Uh, So that's why he called this uh, operation, invading Austria, Operation Otto. Oh,
0: okay, that's a little nugget, a little fact nugget there. Yeah. And so um, going after March in 1938, were there any other actions from the German um, government that indicated like an impending war, or was it not until 1939 that um, things really kicked off and that World War II began?
2: Well, well, after Austria, you had, uh, well, they started with taking bits of, of uh, uh, Czechia at that time and, and they just took everything else that was left. Uh, uh, and there was also 1939, I believe, uh, early on. And, and they just took basically uh, the entirety of, of uh, Czechia. Yeah. And what was the response of the French,
0: of the British, of the Americans
2: at that time? They were not very happy with that, of mm-hmm, course. They mm-hmm. were not saying like, "Oh, go ahead and take mm-hmm. it," uh, but uh, it was not like uh, uh, the Czech Republic at the time was not isolated, and and they didn't have this kind of uh, multinational support that uh, that Poland had at the time, for example. And and the reason why uh, the, the attack on Poland was so well unsuccessful because Hitler thought, well. I took Austria. I took uh, took uh, the Czech Republic. Might as well take the next country, you know. Mm. And and uh, people said like, oh yeah, now we're drawing the line because in Poland they were a bit like. The majority of people are not German. They're not German-speaking, and and they were and they had multiple treaties as well. So um, he was that causes a massive uproar, and that's why we've got the start of the Second World War with the attack on Poland.
0: So you can draw the line there. That's the point where um, where the, the rest of the countries in the West and Europe declared war.
2: Yeah, but it was, it was not like, oh, well, uh, Austria is uh, negligible and then the Czech mm. Republic is negligible. It was simply because Poland had treaties with other countries. Yes. They were aware of the threat. They, uh, they were semi-dictatorial republic at the time, and, but they had ties with France and with, with England. And, uh, and they basically started saying, yeah, we're afraid. We mm. know this, something is going on and we not, like we can't do this ourselves. We need some help. Uh, So that's why uh, they had treaties. So basically, they were forced uh, Britain and France to join the war. And that was, um,
0: we'll round it up soon, but that was the um, implementation of the idea of Lebensraum. Yes. Um, But uh, at that time, still, were there any indications of strong anti-Semitism from the Nazi party in terms of internal action. So were there any policies that were put in place around 1938 1939 yeah. that strongly suggested a change
2: in approach? Yeah, so you uh, you had this uh, time in November, I think 1938, I believe it is, uh, where basically the, the Nazi party just went uh, out of their minds and started uh, destroying Jewish property marking every single well, you had humiliations of the Jews before that, uh, but th- th- this was the point where they said like uh, everybody who's Jewish has to be marked. Uh, you, you have to have uh, uh, the, 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 the star of David on your arm, uh, visible that you say you are Jewish. Well, not proudly, but you'll be like spat on the Mm streets and you'll be harassed and and everything else because, well, you're Jewish and it was socially acceptable at the time. Uh, Everybody who was a Jewish owner, you were disadvantaged because nobody wanted to go to a Jew because apparently he's dirty and he's got diseases and so on. Mm -hmm. And this was the common thinking. Uh, And uh, they were seen as a second-class human. So uh, because they need this this star to have uh, on the arm, to, to be seen as somebody else because nobody could really tell if you're Jewish or not uh, because most of the time we're not they were not very strictly Jewish, uh, so you couldn't tell by by the haircut or, or anything else. Uh, you could tell them if they went to the synagogue and then then afterwards, but most of the like most of the time couldn't so. They tried to separate them and have economic disadvantages. They took uh, the property of them and and uh, companies that were in Jewish position were put into the possession of the Reich. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that that was just the beginning, I suppose. Um,
0: and that takes us to the beginning of World War Two, to up to 1939, from the beginning of the Nazi Party um, establishment in the early 1920s. Um, so the whole time it was. Um, Hitler leading it. And I suppose by the end of the 1930s, Hitler was synonymous with the Nazi party and it was essentially all under his control, right? You know, he was the the absolute forefront of the party. Were there any other players in at that time who we need to know about.
2: Yeah, so so um, Hitler himself, he tried to establish a kind of like a cult around this person, you know. Uh, the, the army themselves, they were not sworn into by the country, they were sworn into Hitler. So you had to swear on Hitler that you will defend the country. Um, and everything else was tailor-made towards him. He was a public figure, he was seen all around, and he was the representative of, of Germany and, and everybody... <sighs> I don't know, Uh, It might be a bit of an overstatement, had a picture of him in, I don't know, every classroom, every single uh, room they have, like it was uh, as ubiquitous as as, as you would have it in the Christian family, there's a cross everywhere, you know, Uh, and stuff like that, Uh, at the time, of course, in Germany. So yeah, there were other uh, political figures that that are very important as well. Uh, One is, for example, Goebbels, Mm -hmm. which was uh, the Minister of Propaganda and and it was just called the Ministry of Propaganda because at the time propaganda was was seen as something quite positive. It is uh, uh, propagating your ideas, and and that was seen as, as something uh, very positive at the time. And and he was very very smart as as a person, I believe, because he he had this whole apparatus there, and 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 he was very successful uh, convincing the masses to be like uh, compliant. And you could see this as uh, he tried to have total control of of everybody's lives. So you had, um, for for example, uh, one of the examples that Nazi party implemented was, they knew that, for example, they needed more people. So what they did, uh, essentially, is giving out awards to mothers who bared a lot of children, uh, which is called the Mutterkreuz, Mother's Cross, basically. Uh, and uh, this was highly successful, uh, also in the implementation of, of, of Goebbels. Then you had Himmler, he was also very, very important. And he got rose to particular prominence over the, his idea, or, well, it was attributed mostly to him, of his idea of, of the extermination of, of the Jews. Uh, so Heinrich Himmler at the time. Uh, then uh, we've got, we've got plenty of political figures to, to mention, but but I think these were the, the three most important
1: ones. Uh, and were there any parties within Germany, or not parties, or just any figures that were against Hitler and the Nazi Party specifically? So not talking about the countries like the the rest of Europe, basically, but within Germany trying to overcome Hitler and the Nazi Party?
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, you can't just uh, simply say that, that every single German in the entire country was was all Heil Hitler and, and be like, yeah, we we all appreciate what, what he's doing. Yes, he had successes, but uh, there was also an opposition that said it is not democratic, it is not what we want as a country, it's not what uh, we want to be seen internationally as well. So he had opposition from, uh, well, former party members, but the opposition was not as great as you would uh, like to think, simply because... It is life-threatening to be in the opposition against Hitler. Uh, So you had uh, the former parliament members of of the Socialist Union at the time that were quite vocal, especially at the start, uh, against Hitler and eventually ended up uh, being prosecutors as well, in a sense. I think the most famous one uh, was uh, during to, we we've, we've got uh, so you can think that, that uh, the, I I don't want to leave uh, you you thinking that, that this uh, Nazi Germany was a unified country that everybody agreed with everything that was going on, and especially at later stages of, of uh, people seeing the extent of of how everything went, the opposition rose. As and as well at the early stages, but in the middle, it was it was quite difficult to find a vocal opposition. Simply, <laughs> it could be because uh, Hitler uh, was quite successful with with silencing everybody around him, and uh, this is why why you've got most uh, vocal opposition at the start at, and the end as well. One of th- the most famous example, especially in in German culture and identities, is, is the the youth of the White Rose which is a, a very famous uh, youth group in, in Germany. That Well, they, they paid with their own life, uh, but, but they, they were simply distributing um, papers uh, against uh, what was going on. They're distributing basically news of what was going on in, in, uh, in the war. And, uh, well, all of them died. Uh, the, the Scholl uh, um, brothers and sisters, yeah. Very famous in, in Germany.
1: And just quickly going back to when you said November 1938, when they started really hammering down the policies against the Jews, was there? Obviously, there were. You said they were also against the Jews and everything, and trying to, you know, prosecute them or whatever back in the mid 1920s. But why the Jews specifically?
2: <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, so the Jewish people at the time they were seen as a foreign object. They were seen as as foreigners in their own country. Most Jews in Germany have lived there for centuries. There were, uh, you couldn't tell a Jew apart from a German. And most of the time they intermixed as well. And, and the Nazi party has very strict rules on, on how much Jewish you are until you're not Jewish anymore. Uh, but uh, it's, it's very complicated if you get into that. Uh, so why the Jews specifically? Because they were easily targetable. They were a distinct group of people that were different from the majority of the population by one characteristic, which is religion. And um, they were hated for the fact that most of the time they were quite successful. Uh, You had a lot of uh, people in entertainment industries. You had a lot of people in science. You had a lot of people in the opposition, uh, in the political opposition that were Jewish. And... If you could, and it is, I mean, throughout human history, it's easier to blame one group of people uh, for all your problems. So, uh, for example, uh, Hitler uh, said at that time that the, the whole financial crisis was, was done by Jewish people, you know, in the banks. And, and to be fair, there were quite a few banks that were Jewish owned, but it's not that the entirety of, 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 of uh, the financial system was, was based on, on Jews. Uh, So, but they were easily targetable. And if you try to blame somebody for everything that is going wrong in your life, in everything else, you could attribute it to the Jews. Uh, I wouldn't say this necessarily. I just want to draw a similarity. It's it's not entirely the same. It's it's the same as as being like, oh, all the foreigners nowadays being like, oh, you're stealing all the jobs uh, uh, from our people, you know, uh, and and this was the same kind of mindset. If you want to compare it, of course, I don't want to similar. There was there were vastly different in, in the extent uh, as you were going, but, but in a sense, in the essence, it was quite similar.
0: I think that's a, a very comprehensive summary of the uh, rise of the Nazi Party in Germany after World War One and leading up to World War Two. Do either of you guys have any more questions that you want to ask or anything you want to outline? And if not, we can look ahead to uh, episode four, which I imagine will be looking at the sequence of events in World War II. I know each episode takes months of preparation for you, Thomas. It's totally not just like I ask you to come and you just sit down and just start talking. Yeah, apparently you just asked me this morning. I was like, (laughs) yeah, sure, I'll talk about something. Uh, But yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll just basically knock on your door another time a few weeks down the line and ask you to do the next one. But, um, yeah, do either of you guys have any questions or any thoughts um, before before we wrap it up?
1: No, I don't. I'm good.
0: Yeah, Are you happy? Do you feel like that's a comprehensive summary for now? I hope it is. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just talking. I hope it's comprehensive to everybody else. Okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. And this can be a a friendly reminder for anyone to leave any reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts if they want. (laughs) Let us know how Thomas did. Subscribe,
2: Um, like, uh, everything else, share it with your friends,
0: family. Yes, absolutely. All that jazz. We love to hear it. Um, And yeah, thank you very much again, Thomas, for coming on. It was really interesting. Quite an important topic as well, of course, um, to have an understanding of. And yeah i look forward to doing the next one as well so thank you thank you all right peace peace War. No, 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 no
1: thank you for listening to this episode of getting it if you enjoyed this episode or didn't then
0: feel free to leave us a rating and review on the apple podcasts app or on the apple Podcasts website
1: We'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, or questions about anything we discussed. So feel free to email us at thoughts at gettingit.co.uk.
0: You can also reach us on Twitter or Instagram
1: at gettingit_pod. You can find all the links in the show notes.